0: It's very hard to accidentally murder 17 people. You can stop after 15 or
1: 16.
2: to the Electronic Wireless Show, I'm Brendan, it's the 27th of September, I think this is episode 18, not sure. Um, I am here today with Adam Smith. Hello. And John Walker. Hello. Pip isn't with us anymore, I mean that she's gone to PC Game or not, that she's died. She's gone to live on a farm upstate. Um, but we do have John, which is like having a Pip.
1: Yes,
3: <laughs> i nothing. No,
2: I was I was hoping you would defend yourself, but you just didn't.
3: Pip's way better than me. Oh, well, there
2: we go, straight from the John's mice. All right, um, this week we have a theme because we're very organised, and our theme is because I've been playing a bit of Heat Signature. Things going wrong in games. <laughs> So games where you're out and about, you're doing your thing. Maybe you're shooting a bad man, but then something goes wrong. You shot the bad man in the wrong place, and now all the bad men know where it is you are, and they are coming to get you. Something like that, but not only that. If that makes what sense. What was
0: the what was the um phrase that Tom Francis, creator of the signature, used that you quoted in your review?
2: He used the phrase "recoverable catastrophe." <laughs> that is the one yeah um but but i think that we should extend this in the theme uh to be irrecoverable disaster or catastrophe can also be under the think, umbrella of the, things going the wrong The key
0: is that it has to feel as if potentially it is recoverable because otherwise you know there's no joy in it you have to feel like maybe no matter how much things are falling apart you can hold it together I don't
2: think so. I think sometimes you can just revel in how bad things are going. I need to have
0: the promise of a better better tomorrow.
2: I mean, you can't play Dwarf
0: Fortress then. Yeah, no, because Dwarf Fortress... I've seen the fortresses that people build in Dwarf. Some people have nailed it. They've got the infrastructure down. They're running proper towns. I'll never do it, but I have to know it's possible. John, what's your favourite example of this not
2: quite a genre?
3: Well, I realise that I'm a... I'm a really bad person when it comes to this. I'm someone who is almost incapable of allowing it to to be my experience. I'm a horrible reloader. Oh, you're a safe scummer. Yeah, I am a safe scummer. I don't I don't like it when it when everything's not gone the way I've intended. Like so dishonoured, I think is a really good example. When you're trying to have a really lovely uh, non-lethal playthrough and then everything falls apart all at once and you you realise, oh, I've accidentally murdered 17 people. And then I think, no, I don't want that to have been my reality, so I reload and then I pick a better reality. And you can do that with games, but it's okay. It is okay. It's very hard to accidentally murder 17
0: people. You can stop after 15 or 16. Not when you get going. <laughs> There's an Oscar Wilde quote in this somewhere.
2: No, it's like peeing. You, you just have to go.
3: <laughs> it's a bit, I remember with GTA back in the day where you'd be playing GTA and you'd be merrily just solving missions and then you'd accidentally run over someone and then yeah. you think, oh, I may as well run over a few more people. And then you just go completely insane and start blowing up the city until the police are, and have sent the army out after you. And then you go, and then back to doing missions again.
0: I, I start every GTA game and GTA light game, like Watch Dogs and the rest of them, I always start them and I follow the rules of the road. You know, I stop at traffic lights and I let the <laughs> pedestrians go past and I do it for about... Twenty minutes, and then it's just doesn't. It doesn't achieve anything. It just makes it slower. So then, yeah, it's everyone is for, everyone's fair game. There's no point. And then you just crack. You just crack under the societal pressure. You well, there's murder. absolutely no consequences. That's the thing. There there are zero consequences. The police might get annoyed at you for a while, but then they go away again, and there's there's no consequence.
2: I do do the reloading thing, depending on the game. Um, Hitman. I can't I can't stand for things to go wrong in Hitman. What? I need, I need to be good at my job,
0: which is being a good hitman. No, no, no. Your job can be anything in hitman. You can just be a chef who doesn't like that one customer and he's going to poison him. You don't have to be a hitman. It's the whole but I point. Mean, yeah, but if I, for example, got
2: into the chef the chef's kitchen and I was mid-poison and someone saw me poison the bowl and said, you are poisoning the bowl, I'm telling the man outside. And then the man outside came in and shot me in the leg or tried to arrest me. I, I wouldn't pull out my gun and run away and start hiding around the hotel and trying to get into the bellboy's clothes. I would I would just restart because I want
0: to poison the man. See, I, I will let everything play out until it's bitter ending. I very rarely reload. Dishonored's a good example of this, actually, when... Um... I played Dishonored 1, I really wanted to do a non-lethal playthrough. And uh, by the time I got to the Golden Cat, uh, which is the um, uh, brothel level, uh, I got to that level and managed to sneak in and everything was fine. It was all going well. And then I got spotted and by the end of the level, I'd killed every single guard and just thrown them all out of the windows and the entire (laughs) building was completely empty uh, because all the civilians had just run away from me. And I was just like, you know what? This is it now. This is who I am. This is what I have to live with. And I did. And it was a very high chaos ending. But And it even changed the way I played the, the, the next level because I was like, you know what? That's I, I've broken now. So I kind of almost role-played my own catastrophes. It's um, <laughs> how I get through life as well as games. It's uh, You know,
3: you roll with the punches. They do say that the first murder is the hardest one. It's true, Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's important just to break your murder pop your
0: murder cherry I, I, in Dishonored I, don't, I try to do the non-lethal solutions um, even though sometimes I feel to the actual you know the, the targets um, you can choose to I think in every instance sorry, sirens in every, that are coming for me they've heard about the 17 accidental murders um, but you, you can choose to not kill the targets and you know, dispose of them non-lethally uh, sometimes that seems much crueler because some of the solutions are really really horrible um, but I even changed that. As soon as I got to the point where I'd killed all these guards and the golden cat, I was like, I might as well just kill the targets as well now because my hands are, you know, out, out, damn spot and all that. I was, I was soiled. <laughs> Normal, isn't it?
2: Are there any games where you don't restart, John? Because I don't. When I play Rimworld I just let things go to hell.
3: I there there, there have been there have been games and I've like I right I must accept. I must accept my fate and I must accept... I think it's when it's a decision rather than an accident. So say you're playing Dishonored and you accidentally... Um, you, you you stun a guard with a dart and then he falls off, a, falls off a roof and dies. I'll often cheat then and reload and go, no, because that wasn't what I wanted to happen. But <laughs> when it's a decision I've made, say the game says to me, you have to choose, are you going to um, do X or Y? And I choose Y and that leads to a death. I tend to say... Okay, then I guess I chose... I chose badly, and I'll need to live with my... my my choices. But then if the game is judging you, and saying, oh, but now you're a bad person. Like, but I'm not a bad person, I'm a good person. And then I'll cheat. Oh,
2: I get it. So, if, for example, you made some kind of renegade decision in a mass effect game, um, that led to your teammate dying, you'd be like, that's... that's fine. I I I'm gonna own that.
3: Yeah, I think I'm probably lying. Even then,
1: really? <laughs> wow.
3: I just don't. I do, not if someone dies. I don't want to accidentally. If I choose, I'll. Well, I can choose the, the I to sacrifice someone or choose. Say, oh, I'm fed up of you. You deserve death now. <laughs> That's fine, but if I make a choice I don't know is going to have a particular consequence and I don't like that consequence then i'm yeah i'm a, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna annoy everyone, but yeah, I'll just pick my better reality
0: some of that comes down to how you know bad design as well sometimes because i I really really hate it if I make a decision in a game and then my character behaves in a way that does not fit with the decision I thought I'd made uh, it's like you know do you want to? forgive this person, or do you want to be angry at this person? You say, you know what, I am kind of angry at them, so you pick angry, and then you rip their head off. And like, then you punch the
2: reporter in the face.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I have issues with that. Um What about, because uh, a lot of this depends on the length of the game to me, so in Hitman, you know, playing a mission can take quite a long time, but what about the uh, smaller versions of this, which I would say, things like Spelunky, where things go wrong all the time. You know, it's like, it's a chain reaction of Poor events. I know we talked a lot about roguelikes last week, but I think there is that element of if a game is short and the, each playthrough is very, very self-contained, it doesn't really matter, obviously. You know, you're know you not going to save come there. You can't even save mid uh, playthrough in a lot of these games. Uh, yeah, but... I think
2: if you're about to die because of what you've done wrong and you get away from it and you can kind of recover, it feels good. Uh, mm. And you're probably going to die in like three minutes anyway. Um so it doesn't feel so bad whenever things go wrong in something small like that. Um, it was one of the problems I had with heat signature actually is that a lot of the times things would go wrong because of a small button press or like a misstep, you know, like just a tiny, tiny, tiny little thing that, and they would go, it would lead to things going wrong in a really critical way and you would just feel the mission that you were on and um, That bothered me. I don't know why. You can't restart in Heat Signature. You just kind of like. You get ejected from the ship. Um, So I should probably explain what Heat Signature is. It's a top down. uh, Stealth action game. Where you board ships. And you hit people with wrenches. And you uh, have to complete missions. To board more ships. But it has the things going wrong thing. And it doesn't always feel like i can get out of them even though that's kind of what the point of the game is i don't know yeah. I
3: wonder how much i wonder how much of this comes down to how long people have been playing games so for the entire 80s and 90s you d- you never were in this situation it wasn't a thing where things could go wrong going wrong meant game over mm. so if you know if you fell off a platform or if you got lost all your your health you just died and you started again or mm. you loaded the last save it's only in the last decade or so that this has become a significant factor of gaming. So I wonder whether just growing up with games where, of course, you just reloaded the last save after something went wrong, changes how, how likely you are to do that. I think that I always
0: wanted games to be more like this. So I think back to one of my earliest memories of playing a game and really loving it was Dungeon Master, which is, um, um, uh, what's the modern one? Legend of Grimrock. Grim- uh, Grimrock. Kind of, yeah, first person party based but also grid-based role-playing games. So you're on a grid rather than walking around like in an FPS, uh, which, which lends itself to a kind of puzzly design. There's a lot of, um, uh, you know, there are correct routes through each dungeon, for each level of the dungeon. There are set puzzles in the dungeon. But when I played it, in my head, that wasn't the case. It was always that I might be doing something that nobody else had ever done. And if I fell down a pit, maybe I was in an area that no one had ever seen before. So my imagination always made games more accidental and, and created all these kind of chaos in them so i think when games did become and i think chaotic is a fair term when games became more chaotic they had more moving parts more things that could go wrong and more room for recovery um that felt like a natural extension of the way i'd always played them anyway another way to do it is you can have something go wrong and say it's a
2: mission it's feel it's done you, you you can't you can't win then but you have to try and scrape something back. So I'm thinking like an XCOM, if something goes wrong, the person, the VIP you're after gets killed or three of your men have been shot and you just need to get out of there. And you can do that in XCOM. You can run away,
0: pick up as many bodies as you can and just get out of there. One of the significant uh, design changes between uh, Axis's modern XCOMs and the old XCOM is that that was much more the case in uh, the old XCOM games and I think that's partly because uh, you can still do all of that in, in modern XCOM but particularly as it's gone forward to like from XCOM to XCOM 2 to War of the Chosen which is the new the new version. Um, in War of the Chosen soldiers are so specialised and losing one can feel so bad because you're just like I, I lose all the skills. I lo- I actually have less possibilities now Whereas in the old XCOM, every soldier was basically the same and you just gave them stuff and that empowered them. Whereas now, you lose your best sharpshooter or your best psionics person, and suddenly your squads are just much less interesting. So actually, I think that there is a sense, in, and as I say, you can still do it. You can still lose an entire squad and carry on. But but um but the game becomes less interesting when you lose people, I think. Um which which is slightly a problem for me. I still I, I mean I, I love those games, but but um, I kind of wish there were more disposable characters. I want some cannon fodder alongside my main squad. I guess. Do you
2: not always send in like a rookie as part of your squad? Well, like,
0: so I'm playing through War of the Chosen at the moment, and I've got to the point where I just don't need rookies anymore. Like, I, you know, I've got two full time squads that are all pretty highly, you know, upgraded and uh, ranked up. And if I lose one of them, then I, yeah, I'll have to throw a rookie in. But then that rookie needs to stay alive. So I just leave them at the back and basically let them hang out and get experience because uh I need them to level up quite quickly. <laughs>
1: You're um, interning here at X-Bom. Yeah, basically,
0: yeah. They're just they're just there to observe and learn. It's like they're shadowing somebody.
3: <laughs> I've had a longer term sort of version of this with Divinity, Original mm-hmm. Sin too. You really struggle
1: to say that, name. <laughs>
3: I don't like it. <laughs> uh Where I got to the end of the first big chapter for the second time. And this time sort of carried carried on. And I'm on the boat and I had a look in my quest log. And I don't know, there's so many quests that I didn't complete from the opening island. Hmm. Some of them because the quest log is very broken. Yeah. So oftentimes you'll have it say, you've successfully saved all the pigs. And then the next thing above it says, you've just found out the location of some pigs. And then it says, oh, you haven't completed that because you've just found out. Like I don't know. So it all seems a bit broken. But there were loads of things I hadn't finished. Like I had that lady who, whose daughter has died. or And she gives you her teddy bear. And she doesn't believe that she's dead. And, and, and there's that. And I've never found out where that goes. I have no idea what that what that leads to. And there are so many other things. It said I didn't rescue someone. I'm fairly certain I'd rescued. I'm, what? Did I need to go and rescue them more?
1: And I'm on this boat
3: <laughs> and I've left the island and I've realised I just have to suck that up. I can't yeah. I can't reload and then How just do go around and bring up quests now, can I?
0: Do you feel okay about it? Because it's one of the things that I mentioned in my review that I think is... I think the biggest weakness of the game, and I think it's a fantastic game, is structural. Because I think that the way the acts are broken up is um there's such definitive endpoints, um and it's not that i want to be able to go back through the entire game because i think that there's decent narrative reasons for why it works the way it does uh it's more that i do feel like i've just i'm done and then i'm moving on to a new episode and there's only a few things that really matter that carry over and i wish there was more i wish i wish the acts spoke to each other more basically
3: it's very, it's very odd that it's like, oh, this, this, this permanence. In that sense, it seems quite good in that you didn't do this stuff and you've left the mm. island and you're obviously not going to go back to that island now. Um, and so, actually, yeah, tough. You, you, there's all this stuff you didn't finish and that's, there's consequences to that. But I was really thrown by um, my party sort of go bye then, <laughs> walking off yeah, yeah. in different directions. Like, no, guys, guys, come back, come on, we're a gang. I'm not going to have that bloody red prince instead of you guys. The Red Prince is me, that's who I played as, that was my ah. main
0: avatar, yeah, he's a lot of fun.
3: No, I had him in the first go-round, so, but now yeah. I'm attached to my gang. In fact, I was so ready to ditch um, the dwarf chap, what's his name, oh, uh, yeah. Beast, yeah. because he was so, you know, he was so, I, I don't know, I just, I, I hadn't really connected with Beast, Um, and then I accidentally <laughs> gave him a bunch of... This is fun to listen to as someone who hasn't really played that much of Divinity, I haven't really connected with Beast. <laughs> it's true, well, you know, me and dwarfs... Never got on. His, there's history, there. Anyway, I um, gave him a bunch of really cool new powers with the when he leveled up right at the end of that first chapter. Like, oh no, I can't get rid of you now, beast. You're with me. You're stuck with me. And then immediately has some really good stories kick in. So that's good.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're all good. They're all good people. But yeah, I think that that it's difficult. In I think with divinity, the uh, I've played through it ne- almost twice now, and um, and that's because I kind of had to just to try different things in it and yeah I got to a point where I was just like it's fine I don't need to do everything and I never will do everything problem is is that then when I played for it a second time I found myself just trying to do all the stuff I didn't do the first time but I also wanted to see what happened if I did the stuff I did do in completely different ways so it's it's very there's a lot to do in that game
3: I wrote about this on the site but I found myself really genuinely surprised by how playing it a second time and it's about 12 hours long isn't it that first chapter so yeah playing it a second time and realising I accident- I stumbled on things I'd done before but in different ways. So when you rescue Gareth I did mm. that without even knowing who that there was a Gareth in the game. I was just exploring and accidentally found a back way into where he was being held prisoner and then just had a fight and then there was this chap going, oh hello, I'm Gareth. It's like, oh hi. And then this time I met all these people <laughs> going, oh Gareth, Gareth, we miss Gareth. And I was like, oh okay, I'll go find Gareth for you. And then I went in through the front door and there's a, scree- there's a, what, a shrieker there, or shrieker as one of the voice actors said. And and then there's this giant fight through all these people, and eventually you get to the back, and there's this guy. guy. And so it was really bizarrely a, a totally different narrative experience, um, and all purely by accident rather than by trying to game that.
2: Guys, this isn't a game where things go wrong.
0: You're just talking about it. Oh, no, it really is. It You've really is. This is topic. a game. This topic this is... has gone wrong. This is a game where so you know you try to do the right thing and suddenly everyone in the entire village is dead and on fire and it's kind of your fault but you're not really sure why you know uh because people just join in with fights it's it's so dynamic like you know like people talk about you know emergent narratives divinity is just full of little tiny ones it's like you know the time you tried to steal something from a merchant and then he got angry with you and you tried to fend him off and blew up a barrel and then set fire to someone's house and they came running out of the house and then the guards come along and suddenly everyone's just fighting everyone else and you just sit there going, how did this happen? (laughs) Because you stole something, Adam. But that's what you do in RPGs. You steal things all the time. It's fine. You're supposed (laughs) to. Officer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an adventurer. (laughs) This is how I exist.
2: Sweet. All right. Well, I think... We're going to take a break from this. uh, Things going wrong. We can return to it later because our readers have said their own suggestions. Have suggested their own things. um, And we'll talk about some of those later.
3: Who cares what those idiots think?
2: But for now, um, there's another thing. This is how people host podcasts, isn't it? Yeah! There's There's another thing we need to say. Um,
0: Warhammer Total War Warhammer 2 is out it is out it's out it's out tomorrow it'll be out by the time this goes up by the time this goes up it yeah. will be out
1: yeah
3: i have nothing to say on this subject other than it disgusts me as much this time as it did last time <laughs> that they didn't just call it total warhammer and therefore no one should play it at the end but- it trips me
2: up every time i say it i have to actually pause and remember that war happens twice <laughs> um, that is a
0: profound statement brendan
2: but all right but listen We have spoken to Andy Hall, who is the lead writer on Total War, Warhammer 2. And this is what he had to say with some quickfire questions. So uh, I'm here now with um, Andy Hall. Hello. And uh, we're going to do some quickfire questions about... Total War, Warhammer 2.
4: Okay, please don't get me fired.
2: Alright, I'll try not to. How many wars are left for you to hammer?
4: <laughs> uh, many. Just many. Yeah. Alright, war, what is it good for? Absolutely everything. Hammers, what are they good for? Hitting things. If you had to go to the cinema with a skiven or an orc, who are you going to go with? Oh, an orc. Why? Well, the Skaven would probably try and kill me while I'm watching the film, where or the orc I can have a laugh with him. Alright. well you would then... have to be a comedy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, they, they can't stand drama, <laughs> no, orcs,
0: no. Not complex yeah, dramas, <laughs>
4: it would be lost on him. Uh, if you got invited to a dinner party hosted by wood elves, but then realize that the dark elves are going to go clubbing later, um, well, where are you going and what's your excuse to the other crowd? <laughs> We go clubbing with the dark elves. uh, My excuse would be, um, actually, I wouldn't have an excuse. I'd be, I'm going clubbing with the dark elves, and then the the, what else would probably, you know, scoff at me or look down their ridiculously long noses at me. Uh, Who would win a battle
2: between Attila the Hun and like a really,
4: really good army of orcs? The orcs, just straight up. The orcs. Fight. I know. I know Attila loves fighting, but the orcs are literally built for it. Okay. Attila's still a human. <laughs> still a human. All right. Well, again, who would win a
2: siege if the Skaven were entrenched and the Mongols were attacking?
4: Um, it's probably the Mongols. Why is that? Uh, I don't think that. Mind you. I suppose the Skaven are cornered rats in this situation. Yes, they you would never. You never corner yeah. a rat, do you? No. I'm going to change my answer to the Skaven. Uh, but
2: then the Mongols are also quite bad at laying siege to places. They're, good. They're just step warriors. Aren't Don't they? confuse They're me! <laughs> Skaven. What historical era will Total War be doing next? I'm not telling you. No, go on! <laughs> no! That was the curveball. You're supposed to. <laughs> I'm supposed to trip you up and you're oh, yeah to just. Yeah. That was my plan.
4: That was your plan. This well, is the whole it, point
2: of Quickfire Questions.
4: It's failed. I, I'm not getting fired for you. You give me,
2: like, the millennia it's in. No. <laughs>
4: uh,
2: if wars were settled in real life on a giant table by moving little pieces around and painting miniatures... That would uh, be awesome. Would World War One have ended differently?
4: Yes, because the games designer, and I speak from being a tabletop games designer, would go, there's too many turns in the middle where nothing happens... So we would add agency to one of the sides, or have a game mechanic to do that.
2: What's your favourite thing, finally, about giant anthropomorphic
4: rats? Die-die-man things. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Thank you.
3: But it's important that we complain about Total Warhammer not being a thing. It's terrible. It's so stupid. It just would have been so cute. Such good yeah. marketing. Everyone would have got the joke.
2: I mean, if they were going to do it this way, they could have, they should have gone all out and called it like Total War, Warhammer, Warmore, or something <laughs> like, like they should have just put another war in there. Hammer war! <laughs> Total War, Warhammer, the Hammer Wars.
1: Yes!
2: <laughs> But yeah, I've played a little bit. It It's, it's a total war game, and it's got rats in it. You know, what more can you want if you are into that sort of thing, or either of those things? Adam. Yes. You've been to EGX, and I know you've been to EGX, which is the giant uh, conference games show in Birmingham, because I was also
0: at EGX. You were there as well, weren't you? Oh, Yes, I did go to EGX and I had a lovely time. And um, I guess you want to know about the games I played rather than all the other stuff I did.
2: Uh, well, yeah, I don't want to
0: know about the time you went to the casino in the NEC. By the mistake, was that was an accident helped. as well. That was an accident as well. Just like, it's like a dishonored playthrough. I was going for a no casino run at the NEC. <laughs> and um, then on the second day... Things went wrong. I didn't gamble. I just... It's just that the bar was open. So, <laughs> what did I play? <laughs> um, um, I I have two games that I really, really want to talk about. I played a bunch of stuff, but um, I really want to talk about Hyper Rogue. Uh so Hyper Rogue came out two years ago. And because I'm a genius, it took me going to EGX and seeing it in the left field collection to actually play it. And if I'd played it two years ago, it would be one of my games of the year. Uh, in 2015 um it's a it's a roguelike sort of that takes place in a hyperbolic world so uh it's non-euclidean uh it sounds like it's going to be incredibly complicated okay weird 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 everything i'm saying makes perfect sense nothing that i'm saying is is complicated this is all normal. i'm
3: pretending i understand to look clever uh,
0: what, what do you take an issue with brendan what what does non-euclidean mean it means that it doesn't follow the uh spatial rules uh, that our universe does so in a normal like so it's a top down turn based um role playing game uh, in a normal version of that you'd have hexagons or you'd have uh, four sided tiles that you move between in this you have um each tile has different numbers of uh different sides and the distance is kind of on a sphere you look, you look, it looks like you're looking at a sphere that you're moving around on as if it's like a globe like the Earth. But um, if you move in a straight line, you're actually walking in a curve because of the way that space is distorted. None of that matters. This is the important thing. What matters is is that you don't need to understand it. What you need to understand is that each world, and there's, I think there's like 30 different realms that you wander through, it has different rules. So you might be in one that in which, you know, um, Conway's Game of Life, that's the game where things just multiply endlessly. Yeah, so it's like there are rules for cells. So if a cell has uh, a certain number of living cells adjacent to it, then the cells around it become dead. So that it just changes. Like, a... And there's one realm in uh, Hyper Road called the Living Dungeon in which the walls behave exactly as they would in Conway's Game of Life. And your goal is to get through without getting trapped. If you kill the monsters there, they become living walls themselves. So you can corner yourself... Um, and then there's another level where you can, uh, there's, there's an ocean and it expands and shrinks with the tides and you have to try and make your way across it and you can get boats and try and wander across it. And then there's ones that are just hyperlinear curves where uh, they seem like they're going in a straight line, but you're actually wandering deeper and deeper into them. And once you get too deep in, it's really hard to find the way back out because they're infinite spaces as well. I didn't mention the fact that it takes place in interlocking infinite spaces. It's a very, very strange game. <laughs> that seems like something you would mention, Adam, come on. It does seem like the kind of thing I should have mentioned. Uh, what's important is that it's all delivered really, really wittily rather than in a pretentious way. Everything is just very silly. Like there's one world called the endless plane, I think it is. No, no, the term, the, the realm of infinite motion, I think it is. Um, and eternal motion. And every time you take a step, the the land behind you collapses. So hence sit here a motion because you can't stop moving because the world just collapses behind you. And the only creatures that live there is called running dogs. And they just run along and they're the only things fast enough to exist there and everything just collapses behind them. Uh, so they just destroy the world. They're just little dogs that run around yapping and the world just gets destroyed <laughs> by their movement. Uh, and you can lead them then into other worlds and you know they'll just continue to destroy realms. It's just wonderful. And it's all very, very silly, uh, very funny. Uh, And just incredibly clever. But it's one of those clever games that makes me feel clever playing it. Because I haven't got a clue. I do not understand anything that's happening. uh, Except the basics of I kill monsters and I collect treasures. That's what I do because it's that kind of game. But all the stuff about how the worlds work and how the physics work. I haven't got a clue. But it all makes sense while I'm playing it. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I saw
2: you playing a little bit over your shoulder. And uh, it looked very interesting. And I thought, oh, that's a game that Adam likes. Isn't that nice? And then I asked you later <laughs> on, after we'd split up, what have you gone to play? And you said, oh, I just went back to play the yeah, same thing. Yeah, I played thing. it for like an hour and a half.
3: <laughs> Can I ask more about why you split up?
2: I was annoyed with Adam for going to the casino. This isn't You weren't annoyed with me for going to
0: the casino. It wasn't. You're very I was, supportive.
2: I'm a very supportive person in general.
0: But we, yeah, we, we needed to just see as much as we could, really, didn't we? So what yeah. were you looking at while I was looking at Hyper Row? Um, I can't remember <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I was in the casino Adam um, <laughs> uh, I looked at a few things I liked um, fogs which is about being two dogs uh, attached to one another in the middle um, so you're two dog heads and there's no dog bum um, I've done a little short post about it on the site it was very fun but I think the thing that I liked most from the show might be the other one you want to talk about
0: which is No Truce with the Furies. No Truce with the Furies. Yes. Yeah, that that's my favorite game from the show. We we played that
2: kind of together. You stood behind me while I played and um talked to the developers while I was a very very bad detective.
0: Yeah. So we should explain No Truce with the Furies is an isometric RPG, but it's not like the other isometric RPGs, is it? No. No, I don't.
2: Gen. I don't generally like that kind of genre of game, um. And it's very text-heavy, like that kind of typical isometric, adventure RPG. Um, but this is like
0: I wanted to play more as soon as I got up to walk away. So it takes place in a kind of nineteen fifties inflected world, where very quickly becomes clear that it's not actually our world. It's just um. It's I don't know. I'd say it feels like it's a world adjacent to our world. It's um like a kind of surrealist take on our world. Uh, it's never entirely clear how the tech works or it certainly isn't at the beginning. There's a lot of stuff that is clearly not exactly as it is here. Um, but then some things are familiar. Like you wake up with a hangover, which is incredibly familiar to me and you go downstairs and you live above a karaoke bar. Uh, um, which is very familiar <laughs> to me, <laughs> and 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 the whole thing is that you you're constantly having conversations that then you'll get essentially your skill set is things like empathy and perception rather than shooting and stabbing, and but they have conversations with you. They'll interject while you're looking at things and tell you what to think about them, and and so there's this constant you know conversation in the voices in your head. Um, I described it to the lead designer. I said that um, it really reminded me of uh, Pathologic and that in general it felt very much like an Ice-Pick Lodge game in the sense that it has this very, very uh, literary um, weight to it but is also incredibly funny and incredibly genre savvy. Um, And and it didn't surprise me to find that they're very good friends of Ice-Pick Lodge, the developers, and that they have kind of compared notes. Um but you know, it's like if Ice Peak Lodge were to make an isometric RPG, I think it would probably look quite a lot like Choice no of the Furies.
2: Yeah, it's a very, very it's a funny game. Um one of the one of the times I was laughing as I was playing it, which I don't usually laugh out loud at games, but I was doing that here and one of the times is one of the things you can do is you go downstairs to your karaoke bar and you go over to the microphone and you look at the, the lyrics display and you examine the microphone and it kind of says, this, it kind of says, you would like to sing a song and your inner feelings start telling you, you'd like, you'd definitely like to sing a song, you think. Uh, and you get a quest to find some lyrics to sing. And it, it two of the options come up and it's like, I should sing something happy. And then the other option is, no, Don't sing the happy song,
0: and it's just it just has so many moments like this where the quest eventually becomes find a lamentation, find a lamentation to (laughs) sing. That's right. Doesn't want to sing a happy song.
2: And if you go back later to check the uh, karaoke, um, the microphone, and get up on the stage later on just to see what happens, a little thought pops up in your head, and it's like,
0: yes, you belong here. And it's worth noting that even though we're talking about the funny side of it. It's it's not a comedy game. It's an incredibly dark game. There's an entire section that we played where you're investigating the hanged corpse of a man who has been murdered and um and his body's putrefying and it's in grotesque detail as you try and examine him because you're a detective, so you're doing your job. Um And in the background of that scene, there's uh two young kids who were just screaming abuse, which starts as, you know, you fascist pigs and then goes to just all kinds of slurs and abuse. and Quite offensive uh, slurs. Yeah. Incredibly offensive. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like 12 year old kids. And, uh, and it got to the point where Brendan's playing it and he just pulls his gun on the kids. And <laughs> then of the kids is <laughs> just like, Go so on then, shoot me, take me out, take me out, shoot me. And, you know, there's this sense of absurdity, even at those really, really dark points where it is kind of almost funny because it's just so ridiculous. Um, but it's not a comedy game at all. It's just an, it's a very absurd game. It It is a comedy game. It's a comedy game. I don't think it, I don't think it is dark as hell. It's yeah. I mean, maybe so. Yeah. I I think, I I think it's definitely comedic, but I think comedy game leads the expectation of jokes. I don't really think there are jokes in it. I think it's more just that the whole thing is textured with, uh, like ridiculousness. Mm. Um, but we never found out what happened when you, get past that initial point so um uh but I, I i thought it was fantastic really fascinated by it that's great how did they describe it, it as Baldur's
2: gate meets true detective
0: yeah um well there was a there's a great point when we were, i was having a conversation with the lead writer and designer about uh genre and i said you know like it's so nice to see an isometric rpg that isn't either cyberpunk or dungeons and dragons and he said oh you know it's like a, I spent a lot of my life playing things with Dungeons and Dragons in it but I was like why aren't games more like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and I was like I want to hug
4: you
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah that, that that was definitely my game of the show
3: it's got a stupid name <laughs> it does it's have from a ridiculous poem, John. Piece.
2: it's from a poem <laughs> um, it was funny because at the show they didn't have the name in big letters above their above their computer they just had like add this to your wish list and I was like that's not gonna stick in my mind no come
3: on they should change the name if they want it to work it won't work with that name
0: i know i've always been right about this come on we we, we've been divine divinity original sin 2 (laughs) Um, total war warhammer 2 so there are worse examples every game should just be called doom Mm. (laughs) discuss
2: Um, John, you weren't at EGX
3: with us, you were off doing your own thing, playing video games. I was having a wedding anniversary.
2: Ch- no, you were playing games, don't tell the people we have lives.
3: I was playing games, though, because I just bought a Nintendo Switch. No, we can't talk about that. And I could just pick up the console game I no. was playing, take it with me on holiday! No, I'm stopping this. PC games are rubbish! Button. Hit the check button. I'm f- genuinely feeling a bit miffed with PC games that I can't so I was, re- I was reviewing Hob. And then I had to go out. And I couldn't just unslot the tablet from my PC and carry (laughs) on playing it when I left. PC games are rubbish and no one should play them.
2: I mean... I don't uh, disagree. uh, Yeah, I mean, your dissent is
3: very welcome.
2: I want a Switch so I can play (laughs) Zelda, but...
3: That's the thing, that's the the bad thing, of course, though. Zelda, you know, the console's set up in the lounge and I work in my study, but the Switch is in here now. I could be playing...
2: (laughs) I mean, we did already alienate quite a lot of our audience in the first episode whenever Adam said that
0: Baldur's Gate 2 is actually quite bad. I didn't, I didn't. What I said was I said it's okay.
3: Can I be more specific? People who like Baldur's Gate 2 <laughs> are all b- murderers and <laughs> b****s. We can't swear, I'm going to have to bleep that. That's not a swear! I mean... You can even say that on American
2: sitcoms. I mean, I guess you can. But, I don't know, what's our policy on...
0: I'll just keep saying it. and then Can we'll I say out. it just
2: as many times as I like? Yeah. Cool.
3: How many, lines, how many times do you like? Maybe it's only once.
2: Um, what did you play
3: then this week? You played Hob? What is Hob? I played Hob. Hob is the new game from Runic, who have been silent for many, many years after Torchlight 2. Um, in a sort of, how did they manage to keep everyone's jobs sort of length of silence? Um, and... Uh, and then they pop up with a third-person action game, is utterly dissimilar to to Torchlight, um, and it's it's really interesting in the in why it doesn't quite work. Why does it not work? Well, it's utterly beautiful in the most ridiculous way. There are I've just I just want to post screenshots. I'm, in fact, I'm actually planning to just post some screenshots of it today to go look. Um, But it's ridiculously beautiful and these wonderful events happen like enormous tracts of land grow up from the these underground machines and fill in and interconnect with the world they slot in and the world rearranges itself and at the uh, because you pressed a button and it's all very magnificent but the big problem is you don't know that pressing that button is going to cause any of that to happen the whole game is about trying to get buttons to work that you don't know what they're going to do by getting other buttons to work which you don't know what they're going to do as well and this constantly made me feel very disconnected from the experience i never thought i've achieved because it always just sort of i just did because it was there and this and then it that sort of becomes all even more all pervasive because the they've gone for the wordless narrative in a way that really feels like they were just thinking if we make it wordless that makes us really noble right like pixar rather than because they needed to. And then in the end, you think, gosh, some words would really improve this narrative. Um, what What is happening? Like, are you like a little... Exactly. Exactly, Brendan. No, I mean... Like, me um, you. <laughs> I know, but that's my point. This is really problematic. What is happening? You play a strange little maybe robot thing wearing a hood and her arm gets chopped off because she gets a disease in it. And so another big friendly robot gives you his giant arm. So now you've got a giant arm and a little arm and a sword and you can punch things with your giant arm and, and, and chop things with your sword. And it feels very Zelda in a lot of ways, and it's an ever-expanding world that you can access more and more of as you gain more and more abilities, and um, you go underground and you find buttons, and then you find other buttons, and then you find more buttons, and you work out how to switch them all on by pressing other buttons that you didn't realise were connected to the last button. And it's sort of entertaining as you do all this, and it's breathtakingly beautiful throughout, but it doesn't have a purpose. It's odd. I'm not, I clearly, I've seen some, some reviewers going, wow, it's so interesting because it's so unspoken and, and vague and ambiguous. And so some people seem to like it for that, but.
0: say like the guy down the pub who just doesn't say very much, so everyone thinks he's intelligent.
3: Exactly.
0: He's not.
1: He's a thicko.
0: Old Bradley's got a lot
3: of gold. <laughs> yeah. Never <laughs> says a bad word about anyone. He doesn't say much, but when he does say something, it's all right. It's profound. Did you play rhyme, John? Um, yeah, yes and no. I'm trying to remember. I thought you did. Um, it's the I
2: think I did. It's the boy who goes all around a Greek island more or less, and there's a big yeah. bird that annoys him. Yeah.
3: In fact, I think you reviewed Rhyme. I think you did. Yeah. Probably. This is a. I have a genuine problem. Yes, I did. Yes. It yeah. Is, oh yes, of did, course, Rhyme. Sorry. Yeah. I, I mean It's such a unbelievably forgettable name. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's absolutely. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. Did, did, it was, did, and it was completely combat free. Did Hob remind you of that at all, or is it very different? It's for, not really... I think the key thing about Rhyme was the lack of violence, and that was yeah, really yeah. defining. And Hob has, you know, constantly running around hitting monsters with a sword, so... Right, right. Gosh, yes, I want to play Rhyme again. I played now. Rhyme uh,
0: shortly after reading your review, and I thought it was brilliant, but I did have points where uh, I just wish it had given me a bit more direction. It's not because I found the, the puzzles hard. I was fine with them, but, but sometimes... I did very very rarely I think it's a great game but there were moments where I was just a bit disconnected I was like okay I just did that and that made that happen but why am I doing any yeah I
2: felt like that I played I played it um for a good few hours and I stopped and didn't go back after I was kind of feeling like I didn't know why I didn't feel like I had any motivation to go forward and do all these puzzles there was kind of a mystery about it that I think you're supposed to try and figure out. but Yeah, there, that is, there is
0: an actual plot, and there's meaning to it all. Uh, which I thought worked, but it's very, very loose. And then it kind of, at the end, says, this is what was happening, and you go, oh, of course. But I guess Hob has a similar problem.
3: I think a part of it is that they replace the attack button with a sing button, and that makes a big difference. Yeah. You suddenly have this really interesting way of being part of the world mm. and that's where hob really fails and and i I, I, do, I don't not recommend it i it's it's i've it, had a lot of fun playing it but i never felt part of the world it was a game that happened to me rather than me to it whereas in rhyme the fact that the way you engaged with the world the way your singing brought life was something really special i think i remember the first time i ran into the actual there's like little
0: wild boars oh they're so cute and yeah, just the way that they interact with you and the way the little babies will run away and the parents will try and protect them. And then you can realize you can just give them food and it's just all, and genuinely really lovely. Like um, And it's a great combination of the actual behavior of them, the actual, uh, you know, as as creatures, uh, but also just the way that they fit into the world. It look, it's It really is beautiful, that game. So Hob was your thing. You're not, you're like half recommending it.
3: Yeah, I am half, exactly half recommending it. Okay.
0: People should buy half of it. All right. You play one half, I'll play the other, Brendan. Fine. <laughs> <That was> <laughs> I
2: promise to play the second half because you'll never get to that part. Okay. I've been playing Heat Signature, which is another things going wrong thing. I won't talk about it for very long because um, we don't have a huge amount of time left. But uh, And we also have a review of it up on the website, which will probably explain this a lot better than I can. But it is the new game from Suspicious Developments, who made Gunpoint. Um, and that's run by former games journalist who everybody in the world knows, Tom Francis. I've met him once. I, I once. don't think I've ever met him. Oh,
3: no, I must have. I've had pizza around his house. You see, now you can't... see you... I have no opinion on heat signature because I watched telly on a projector upstairs in his house with Richard Cobbett once.
0: <laughs> see, when I say I met him once, I met him once so he could show me heat signature as a work thing at GDC. And I thought he seemed like a slimy individual. (laughs) He is after scum, I have to say.
3: He is the worst.
2: I mean, he's not. He's very, very not. No, he's lovely. He's
3: ridiculously lovely. He was um, a section editor on PC Gamer for many, many years. And that's why I knew him.
0: I think that it's it's interesting seeing, because I knew Tom's writing. um, And there's a very specific way that uh, Tom writes about games. Um, or certainly certain types of games, specifically stealth games. Um, and with both Gunpoint and Heat Signature, you can absolutely see his critical brain um, and the way his, his view of games and his uh, critique of games has led to the point where he makes these particular games. They're almost like responses to questions he's asked. As a critic, which I think is fascinating. Yeah,
2: they're very um, they're very smart and they're in in, in a kind of cog like way. Like heat signature is, it's a really fun kind of little toolbox that you get. You see, as I say, you go into these ships and you have to try and either steal something or assassinate somebody or capture or rescue or all these different little objectives, and it's quite rogue like because you, you know, all the ships are randomly generated. The guards have different equipment depending on what ship it is and stuff like that. Um, so some of them might have shields that stop them from getting hit and some of them might have heat sensors that will detect you within a certain radius stuff like that and you have to have equipment to deal with each of these guards and that might just be having a teleporter to get around them or a stealth shield to hide yourself from them or uh, you can get a device called a subverter which basically turns any technology against itself or kind of it kind of yeah it subverts the technology so if you see someone with a shield and you know that you can't get past them without them trying to fire at you, you use this little device this subverter on them and you you just blink at it and they don't they can't tell it has happened to them and you step out in front of them and they go there is a man i will shoot him and they take a shot and it just bounces off the inside of their shield and kills them and there's loads of little stuff like that uh and yeah you can see like what you're saying is that they want to make this a box of toys for you to like mix around and see what happens um so you can combine like your tele- your teleporter that will zip-, zip you in and out with a sword and a grenade launcher and shoot a window and see what happens when you do all of these things in this particular order and it leads to it leads to what feel like really unique individual little stories that happened to you obviously everybody is going to have one of these or a collection of these silly things that happened to them um so you'll hear that a lot like but but when you when it happens to you you feel like oh this is the best one i have to tell everyone about the time that i survived the vacuum of space by by pushing the man i was supposed to rescue out the window and then catching him in midair in my space pod um but it's a very fun game I got annoyed with it quite often when I died. I think that's because I make a lot of mistakes as well as there being a... I don't think the failure... The way it deals with failure doesn't quite
0: work, but I don't know how else it could have been done. I mean, this isn't one of those games that you would be saves coming on is it because, you can't I you know, mean like life is brief yeah it's very very
2: brief when you die if if you die and you don't die as often as you would think if you get hit by an enemy even shot like in just shot point blank with a real gun with a shotgun or anything the the an enemy guard will pick you up and instead of just like slitting your throat <laughs> they'll always go to the nearest um airlock or open open place where they can throw you out into space um, and then you remotely pilot your pod, to pick yourself back up, you will start bleeding if you've been shot. And you can survive the vacuum of space for a shorter and shorter length of time every time that that happens. Um, But it's generally, it's weird that it's forgiving in that way. And I feel like a lot of the time when I get thrown out, I just don't go back to the ship because there's also alarm timers and those alarm timers run down and it never feels like I have enough time to do what I want. Or to plan my next move so I just go back and do another do another level I feel like it could have it could have afford it like I feel like if it had just killed you outright I would have been more okay with that if I just had to be a new person again back at the space station I don't know uh, but it, it, it's still a very very fun game and for the price of it I think it's 11 quid or something now on seal i'm not sure um i think for the price of it you definitely get the your money's worth in ridiculous moments where you throw a wrench at someone and you knock them out i did i did one thing where i realized when you throw a wrench at someone it can knock them out but you can throw any item i think any item at someone just by pressing the throw button and then aiming it and i thought okay i've got a wrench i can swing that once when i hit this guy and then I can throw my empty gun at someone, and that'll knock them out. And I hit one man with a wrench, and instead of throwing that wrench, I threw the gun at the enemy, and it just kind of hit him in the head, and he kind of went, "What? What?" <laughs> he didn't. He didn't get knocked down. He just got like a bit annoyed and just shot his gun at me. Like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, why did you throw your gun at my face?" Um, and I just, I just, I really, really enjoy the moments like that. Um, but things do go wrong to return to our original uh, topic things do things go wrong do go wrong yeah and you can get out of them probably 50% of the time you can find a way to get out of them and 50% of the time you
0: end up floating in space again
2: um, but that's okay because space is fun
0: good it's hotline Miami with an astrophysics degree
2: sure alright we should have just said that <laughs> instead of letting me speak for five minutes about this game <laughs> We are coming to, to the end of our show podcast thing. I'm sad... Should we see what the readers are saying? Yeah, I'm sad that Pip isn't here because she's much better at this. Which bit? The, all the talking. All the talking. Um, but yes, yeah, so let's see what our readers have said about thing, things that go wrong. We asked you, readers and listeners,
0: what's your favourite game where things don't go according to plan? I'm trying to think of what would be my favorite example. I think mine is probably Spelunky. I know I already mentioned it, but because I like how short term that is so that I don't mind when things don't go according to plan. Uh, And I do make plans, you know, I do hatch up little plans short term as it is. Uh, Yeah. Um, We've got someone, Colin Hitch
2: says invisible ink.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Colin H is right. Invisible ink is, no, that's, that's perfect. He says, it, it's like a, a
2: load of coiled springs packed in a damp cardboard box.
0: Okay, once again, we have an example of somebody who just has summed a game up better than I could in a thousand words, so thank he's you. He's hired. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. he doesn't even need the new 280 character limit of Twitter to tell us that. He's he's done it in like a quarter of the space.
0: Heroic. And also, Invisible Inc. is the perfect game of recoverable catastrophe because... It, because it's turn-based. So for people who don't know it, and you all should know it, because it's one of the best games ever made, Invisible Inc. is an um, a espionage game. So it's turn-based espionage. You break into facilities, everything goes wrong, you try and get back out again. It has exactly what Brendan was talking about earlier, where even when one of your agents is down and everything's gone wrong and the alarm's at the highest level that can go out and all the shutdown has happened, lockdowns, so all the doors are closed, you can still get out and you can still get those downed agents out. You just have to think really hard. Like um, turn-based but a turn can take like half an hour because you're just looking at every possibility. It's wonderful. Anyway, sorry, yeah.
2: yeah. Um. On that subject uh, Alien Gas Mask <laughs> says, uh, it's XCOM for me. Those times when it suddenly twists and you stop looking to win and just ask yourself how do I escape carrying the most bodies?
0: A question we've all asked ourselves on a
2: Saturday night. There's a few people saying Hitman and Hitman Blood Money yeah. as well. Um yeah. rim world Samuel Cardwell says I'm going to give a shout out to Hidden and Dangerous. That feeling when all your meticulous sniping and positioning suddenly gives way to confused high-stakes run and gun and your squaddies AI instincts kick in and they start blasting their brain guns at nothing in particular and oil drums start exploding. <laughs>
0: My memory of Hidden and Dangerous, and it's a long, long time since I've played it, is that it wasn't satisfying when things went wrong. That was one of the ones where I always felt frustrated. A bit like the early Rainbow Six games, I just felt that I'd put in a lot of work, and then, you know, suddenly all of it had just fallen to bits. And I just felt defeated by it quite Yeah, often. he does say that it often
2: leads to comedy. It often leads to comedy as your ingenious plans to avoid confrontations go awry, your grenade bounces wily e. coyote style off the doorframe and kills your entire squad.
3: <laughs> my my overriding memory of Hidden and Dangerous is it being one of the first assignments I was given by PC Gamer to write a walkthrough for it, and I couldn't even start play it at all. <laughs> And i have been given this huge commission, like this eight page walkthrough and someone else had already started it. and I got given all these floor plans that someone had drawn on tracing paper arrived at my pose and I was steadfast. And I felt that, that horror, that, that, you know, the dream where you haven't done any revision for the exam. And I was experiencing it in real life. I had this commission and I literally couldn't do it and I didn't know what to do. And I was so scared. That's the only association I have with that game. The Richard
2: Coletta or Coletta, I don't know um says net hack and similar roguelikes i'm doing a monk run find a horse try to feed it an apple to tame it and it kicks me in the head and i die instantly yet another stupid death uh so yeah things things can go wrong and you die and that is fine you don't need to be it doesn't need to be recoverable in my eyes passy Kuko says kerbal space program which i think is a great great suggestion.
0: Yeah, I feel good if I get off the launch pad in careful space program still. Yeah, things go wrong
2: incredibly often, like from the moment you press the ignition button. Um, I had a, I just say I had a mission where I, or I had a probe that I was trying to send to the moon, I think, and I calculated the trajectory completely wrong and it flew way, way out into the inner solar system and I was like, this is terrible. What am I going to do now? And then I realized it was actually on a trajectory that would get it to Mars, and I thought, oh, you know, what? I'll just, I'll just send it to Mars then. And it ended up lying on its side with one of the one of the two devices that it should have been able to, you know, like bring out of its body, unleashed on the Martian surface. And I thought, well, this is like, this is the weirdest half victory, yeah, that
0: I've had. I mean, <laughs> if we'd sent, you know, on the Apollo missions to the Moon and it accidentally landed on Mars half intact, we'd be thinking, we are very good at space. We are. We um, went much further than we thought. I definitely thought I was good at
2: space. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's it for us. That's it for another episode of the Electronic Wireless Show. Um, We've been Rock, Paper, Shotgun, People. Uh, you can find us on different social media, Facebook and Twitter and so on, at Rock rockpapershot.com uh it'd be good if you follow us and like us and be cool with us uh if you want to review this podcast on itunes that also helps or just giving it a little like on soundcloud if that's what you're listening to or commenting on whatever podcast uh app you use that'd be also good um i'm brendy underscore c on twitter adam what are you
0: i am non-economical on twitter and john i am at botherer it. and John is one of these double length twitter people apparently. Oh yeah, I've got 280 characters baby. Double the content
2: from John Walker if you follow. And they've him. cut me down to 70.
3: It's basically it's a merit system.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, that's everything. Um I believe. Thank you for listening.
0: Bye. Thank you. Bye.
3: Bye.
1: Gareth, we miss Gareth.